Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, Ian. And Bonnie. And Mark. Is this your first time in Mexico City besides the airport? I I suppose I spent a little bit of time here in Mexico City previously, but not a lot. Okay, because I know that you and I had gone through the airport there on our trip to uh, Anarchapulco several years ago. But that was the first. The first year of Anarchapulco, I, like the cheapskate I am, decided I would get there as uh, inexpensively as possible. I took mm-hmm. a flight to Mexico City, MEX airport, and then I took a cab. The only time I felt like I got r- r- robbed the whole time, um, <laughs> you know, the, the cab ride was like 20 bucks to the bus station. Wow. This was seven years ago. And, but, I, you know, taxi cab drivers have to pay a VIG just to pick you up there. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. Um, so I went from the airport to the bus station, hung around at the bus station for a few hours, and then took the bus from uh, Mexico City to Acapulco. I don't know what you consider that as far as my visits to Mexico City, but I took a cab through it. Gotcha. But now you're staying there. You're doing uh, some kind of an immersion class where you put your Spanish language learning to the test, right? You've been doing some practicing online with uh, Duolingo, but this is your your chance to really jump into in the deep, the deep end, right? Yeah. I mean, I learned Spanish uh, to some level, um, probably in my early 20s, and have stayed in lesser, greater practice. And then uh, I found Duolingo, um, and I used that for a couple of years. I decided to upgrade to the family one probably about a year ago. You and Bonnie are both on my family <laughs> plan so that uh, I know you are about the same or at one time about the same level of uh, facility with Spanish as I. And you certainly dove into it for a period of time. And I just wanted to keep my hand in it and maybe get a little better. And I think I have gotten a little better doing Duolingo. But, you know, doing five minutes twice a day really isn't enough to... Mm-hmm. Uh, to really get a language. So, Ian does it right. all day. No, that's not true. Wait, am I muted? Can Mark no, hear me? You definitely, uh, you're not I can muted. definitely hear you. Oh, sorry, no, my headphones know. were turned down. Sorry about that. <laughs> I can hear you, but not myself. You should be okay. Perfect. Now. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, some ten days Ian really goes in, and other days he he doesn't. In other weeks he doesn't really do much. But what we decided to do was take these immersion classes. So all day, every day, it's Spanish talking. And uh, you know, my hope is is that Jack can either uh, my son, fifteen years old, can either have you know a summer where that's full of uh, video games and uh, screwing around, or he can uh, get quite a few video games and quite a bit of screwing around and learn Spanish in the process. <laughs> so, how long are you down there for? Um, we'll be in Mexico for two weeks. Then um, we're going to. Uh, Central America. I want to see the uh, town of Antigua, mm-hmm. um, which is Where the is original. It's in Guatemala. It's the original Central American Republic capital, and it's supposed to be a beautiful place. I have never seen it. And then we'll go from there to Costa Rica for more Spanish immersion classes. Well, the uh, Heritage Foundation's 2023 Index of Economic Freedom is out. Oh, and so seems like a, yeah, seems like a good time to bring it up here since we're talking international stuff. And the United States is down on the list, uh, not in a good not way. Surprising. Not not down like in um, you know higher rankings, 
numerically because obviously number one is the most free uh down as in the score they got is lower than it was last year by 1.5 points they are currently ranked the united states at number 25 out of the hundred and was it 80 something 176 countries uh that are being ranked here so not looking so also they don't they don't rank Liechtenstein, right yeah, I think there's a certain limit on the number of uh, population or something. I'm not sure how they determine. Liechtenstein is listed as not ranked here. Yeah. So. And uh, one thing I like to but mention. Is St. Kitts and Nevis, by the way. They're not, they're not really? here either. <laughs> yeah. It, Liechtenstein is actually listed on the list of not ranked countries, but St. Kitts and Nevis aren't even, aren't, aren't even on there. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Uh, Karen. Hi, Karen. What's on your mind tonight? My On my mind um, is, uh, I was wondering, to what extent do you think that Donald Trump has mental illness as an explanation for everything that's happening with him in this country right now? When you say that, you mean because he's been charged with various different uh, Paperwork-related so-called crimes for not declassifying documents and then holding on to them? And just the illogical um, defiance and the, um, just he's, you know, they asked him once, they asked him twice, they asked him three times. He gave some of the documents back. Then he, and he told people to lie and say that he gave them all. You know, what what part of this guy's, thought process is is rooted in like personality disorder or mental illness i've seen lots of he's not logical i've seen lots of psychologists like write articles saying that he is a narcissist i could totally believe that i mean i I I think megalomania too might be you might throw that in i saw a post of his the other day that was like we are going to (laughs) i can't remember what it was but it was like the most like what do you call it when sony has like grandiosity and he was talking about, like, we are in this together. It was, I can't even remember what it was, mm. but it was about the stupid documents. And he was saying that the feds are after him. But he was saying it in the most, like, he was basically talking about himself, like, in scripture. In I've all caps. heard people, yeah, that's scary. That's a little <laughs> well, out there. Well, what's scary is, is that I just saw a poll on, I think it was Politico.com. Anyway, they, they, they tracked all the polls recently. And basically, Biden and Trump are neck and neck as far as their approval and disapproval ratings. It's uh, right. I think it's about 40 for uh, approval and about 60 for disapproval. I may be off a, a couple of points on these, but for both of them, I mean – and the only person in politics today that I could find with a higher uh, disapproval rating than Biden and Trump were was Kamala Harris. And so currently the three people, the three heirs apparent to the uh, most powerful seat in the world are, you know, despicable people that nobody seems to want. Um, you know, I think we're going to have another election here where you get to pick your favorite crooked old pervert. And that's it. Yeah, it's just it, it's I heard um some reporting that like like when he's down in Mar a Lago, he kind of pretends he's still the president and it's kind of <laughs> like a little insane, you know what I mean? But I think people think he's a, a funny old guy and you know, you can kind of have a little bit of um affection for the way he acts, but it's actually kind of really if you look at it seriously, it's a, it's a lot of mental illness going on. Hmm. 
Well, I think that we um, probably wouldn't pick 80-year-olds to do very much of anything as far as a job, especially a job with a high level of competence. I mean, you're not going to pick an 80-year-old to do uh, rocket science. You're not going to pick them to do brain surgery. You're not going to pick them to do really much of anything. The only thing that you've got 80 Just head the top of a business, like be a CEO? Yeah, you don't see that very often. Yeah, there's not even a lot of CEOs that are 80-year-olds. You do see a lot of people running banks and uh, law offices as you know old people. But in a lot of cases, they're just punching a clock so that their old clients can stay under the, um, you know, the you know it, it, it keeps the connections going, right? Um, oh, I got to call oh, Billy. Well, sounds good. I, I, I'm just throwing around it because. The more the more you see how he digs in on this stuff, it just it just reeks of there's got to be some mental I, illness going. Well, mental illness and age go together, though, don't they? I mean, sure, I uh, think I see that. Decline. He's always had, to some extent, this personality. Yeah, I he's. Think I think a megalomaniac. Anyone that would run for president, sure, honestly, agree. has to have some kind of mental disorder to run for president. There's a new hate speech law in Ireland that is. Uh, pretty crazy, according to Euronews.com. Is it as bad as Florida's? It, I don't know. Uh, it's going to deal with so-called hate crimes, making it an offense to deny or trivialize genocide and expand protections to include gender identity and disability. Oh my God, LPNH would actually be like a criminal in Ireland right now. Uh, opponents of the criminal justice bill have raised concerns that changes go too far and will stifle free speech. But defenders say Ireland's current legislation has been outstripped by the Internet and contains significant blind spots. So they're saying it doesn't go far enough. The Internet's blind spots of censoring speech. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they're uh, what they're referring to here. Like um, the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, LPNH, they tweeted a joke about Jews mm-hmm. in the Holocaust. So they're. It would actually be that would actually be a criminal this. thing in Ireland now. That's pretty crazy. It will make it easier to secure convictions for so-called hate crimes by allowing prosecutors to rely on the use of hostile slurs, gestures, or even symbols. Critics fear the changes could lead to politically incorrect views being censored, such as those around trans rights. Some public figures have waded into the debate with uh, apparently Donald Trump Jr. for some reason commenting on it, calling it insane, and Elon Musk branding it, quote, a massive attack on the freedom of speech. So He attacks freedom of speech all the time. So Yeah, that's true. So again, we're not talking Free about Alex Jones. Uh, personal freedoms here in this list of the Heritage Foundation's top countries for economic freedom. So Ireland, again, not considering free speech there in this uh, discussion. They look at things like property rights, judicial so-called effectiveness, tax burden, uh, fiscal health, business freedoms, monetary freedoms, trade freedoms, etc. So looking exclusively at uh, economic freedoms. Mark, I think we might have you back. That's my belief. All right, yeah, yeah you're, you're still all distorted. we got to work with you on the, on the break uh, I, about that. I think I heard him fine. It was yeah, like, it's my he's belief. Really, he's really loud, though. That's, that's the thing. Um, anyway, so in uh, related news, Mark is currently in Mexico, and on the list here, Mexico is ranked in in the uh, what they consider the moderately free category. And by the way, the United States, if it goes down two more spots, is going to be or three more spots is going to be in the moderately free category of countries instead of its current mostly. How did Canada free. do? 
Canada is doing all right at number 16 on See, the I, list. I have a very difficult time accepting the way that Canada acted during COVID-19 with the trucker protest and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Yep. And just, and then just saying, Oh yeah, the United States is definitely less free than that. Now mm -hmm. I don't know what their criteria mm -hmm. are and I haven't read this list, but they that... did drop uh, according to the list here, 2.9 points. In fact, almost every country on the mostly free category went down in its freedom score, with the exception of, of all places, the United Arab Emirates and Uruguay. So those two countries went up slightly, uh, but every other country went down. So I think this is, since it's from 2023, that means the data they're using is usually two years old. So there's a good chance they are finally taking into effect uh, the COVID restrictions in 2020 for this particular survey. Singapore also down, Switzerland down, uh, Taiwan is up slightly. So, yeah, in the top, tw uh, looks like, I'm just looking down the list here. Yeah, Israel up slightly at number 34, Jamaica. I mean, almost every country here has gone down in freedom in this recent uh, this recent study. So not very good. Mexico uh, ch chalking in at number 61 on the list. I really want to go to Mexico City. I would totally go to Morelia, too. Um, oh, where's that? It's in Michoacan. Okay. And my ex told me that's like way safe because it's in the south, but he's very biased in that way, so maybe that's why. But it's really pretty. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you, there, brother Ian. Possibly, brother Mark, Bonnie. What's on your mind tonight, Ricky? Well, I mean, I was thinking about this. To some, I'm new. So, what I wanted to do, if it's all right. Just to get it down for the record, list some of the things I support, and then I had a question for Bonnie, if I may. Okay. All right. Well, first off, I believe in, I support the right to bear arms for all, young and old. I support secession. I'm anti-war. I practiced the non-aggression principle for upwards of 30 years. Originally, I knew it as a Jeffersonian, as the no harm theory. Uh, uh, I support no discrimination by sex. Uh, I'm for open borders. And uh, also, I believe that we are all brother and sister, regardless of color or creed. And I've never pledged allegiance to the Stars and Stripes. Now, that's nice. just a sample. Never? Not, not even as a kid? You never did? Absolutely not. Wow. How did now, you avoid doing say, that? I mean, did you go to a government school where they had people say the pledge? Well, there was a little bit of trouble at first, but that got dealt with. Mm -hmm. But I will say now there's five years before my upwards of five years of the archives before my disappearance that got more and the past six months. But, you know, yeah, I don't believe in pledging allegiance to the stars and stripes. It's pure evil. There's mm -hmm. nothing good about the damn thing yeah. in history. But here's the question I got, if I may, and this was for Bonnie. Okay. Okay. Now, the last time we spoke, and this is what I don't understand. Now, this was just a sampling of my list. Now, you said that the issue, and I said what the problem is, and basically you said the issue is you don't like my views. Now, what are the views that you don't like? Because I don't want any waves here, but I'm a little confused about the whole thing. Well, you and I aren't... Like, we don't know each other for one thing. And for another thing, 
You've said lots of statist things before that I disagree with. Well, that's absolutely not correct, because you obviously haven't listened to my phone calls throughout the past six months. Probably listened to like 10 hours of them. What's one of them, Bonnie? What's one status thing that that, uh, Ricky has said? Uh, He believes in taxation. That's absolutely not correct. But you haven't heard my phone calls. I recently. heard the phone call where you, Lee, Captain, and Ian were discussing it, and you were saying that there would be uses for taxation in a free Commonwealth ah, of Pennsylvania. I've reevaluated that. I've reevaluated that as a donation, like I okay. said. And I've been bouncing that around Fair here enough. in PA to different people, and it's been sounding good. Yeah, and then okay, a donation to who though? Because you still believe in a state if you believe in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Well, if the state Excuse is funded, me, are you going to insult me? You don't know very much about history, Bonnie. Now I have to admit, that's insulting me, and I didn't insult old. you actually. You are only twenty-seven years old, and I'm going to say right now: watch your tongue before you say something that you may not be correct about. There's I didn't say show. anything incorrect. There I said that you believe in a state because you believe show. in a state. Are you are you getting offended because she's using the term state instead of commonwealth? I'm absolutely. In fact, if you want to, have what is the, the difference, story, though, Ricky? I mean, it is ultimately a group of men and women well, who want to use violence, from, huh? If you listen to the show from February twenty third of this year, there was a long discussion between yourself, me, and Jay. It goes through the whole thing. We talked about New Hampshire too, and for the hell of it, we threw secession in. Okay, can I ask you a question the about way. the difference? If I lived in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and it was uh, this, it already seceded, it's not part of New Hampshire, would I be allowed to live there without volunteering any money to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? And just eh, I'm gonna not be a part of that. Well, as I was saying, see, my answer is I'm looking at doing the best achievable results. See, I've come to the conclusion that we can do exactly like South Carolina did and just blow it away at the legislature. But if we do, I would look for, you know, the best possible answer. And I tell you what, my feedback's been very good. As far as was that an answer to the question? Because it didn't seem like you even answered her question. A lot of words. I'm trying to, as far as doing something completely voluntary. See, even something very small, as was talked about recently, you would call anything government, but it'd be totally voluntary. And as far as taxes, like I said. So you're saying Bonnie could opt out if she was living in the landmass known as the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Opt out of what? Opt out of paying into the Commonwealth system. Here's what my idea is. And I've been bouncing this around to different people around here personally. Say, for example, to start off, we'd have a memorandum. There'd be a small amount. That would be to take care of things like you were saying, roads, snow, stuff like that. Now, imagine if you can't pay it. The Gestapo's not going to come out and get you. And when you can start paying into it, you would again. Back in the day um, when we still had slaves, one of the arguments against freeing slaves was is that you were um, taking the freedom of the master to own slaves. Now, this is obviously a bass backwards way of looking at uh, freedom. The, sure. Well, the freedom to own slaves is now being taken away, but <laughs> quite literally that was what was being said. And mm. that's kind of what politics is. Like you go to New Hampshire in, in part, not in total, but in part to have the freedom to become one of their politicians so that you can take away the freedom that they currently have in New Hampshire of taking away your freedoms. I mean, it's this kind of weird uh, vortex, but 
nonetheless, it's it's a little bit true. And well, it's, that's the, how it's people view from it. their viewpoint, right? From those sure. people's viewpoint, they want to be able to control people. And uh, the freedom movement is a threat to that. So they're going to they're going to lash out about it. Right. And I would say that, um, you know, that that's probably what's going on in Mexico, too. Now, if you just show up in Mexico, and I think this is probably true for a Mexican, too, if you just go to some place that isn't your hometown, like because you care so much more about the politics in your hometown, you go someplace that's, uh, you know, something else going on. Uh, you don't care. The freest I ever felt was in Saipan hmm. when I was like, oh. Those people in America are having an election. <laughs> have fun. I mean, I'm you like know. that right now. I don't care when th- those people have an election federally. You can free yourself in your mind. It's absolutely true. And I think it's uh, it's a great thing to do. I'm just saying that that's how I felt um, in when I was in Saipan in the U.S. Marianas. Um, you know, the one thing that bothered me the most was I wasn't able to watch the Super Bowl the same way as uh, other people were. But, you know, I did find a place to watch it. and uh, But I didn't get to see any of the ads. <laughs> I had to watch those on YouTube later. Mark just watches the Super Bowl for the halftime show. I have seen a few halftime shows, but uh, I'm not a big, <laughs> just I'm not a big fan of pop music at all. Anyway, um, I think that in many ways, if you go to, in my opinion, if you go to Mexico, you will be able to buy things more cheaply. And that's sort of an analog to freedom, right? If your money goes twice as far. Um, and that also you're not going to get bothered doing too much. But then again, I don't get bothered doing that much in the U.S. It's just that my taxes are high. Right. Once you go to another country, and uh, Mexico is one of them, Honduras is not, that has a uh, that has a treaty with the U.S., you can only spend six months there, and then you can spend the other six months in the U.S., and you're still considered a, res- a foreign resident. Now, what does that have to do with the treaty? The, there's a treaty, and I know Mexico is part of it. I don't have it sitting here in front of me. I can look it up during the break and try to find out more about it. But basically, this treaty says that you only have to that, – that essentially it treats those places like a territory as opposed to a foreign country. So normally, you had to spend 330 days in a foreign country or so in order to be treated as um, a person who wasn't living in the U.S. I, I but the, Oh, then they signed a new treaty with some different nations to say, oh, no, you just have to do six months in these countries. And Mexico is one of them. We have Skeeter on the line in California. Go ahead, Skeeter. It's your boy Skeeter. But uh, I'm calling in. uh, So, again, I'm a a market anarchist. uh, You know, I reject things like uh, the Austrian schools, stupid stuff like that, rights-based libertarianism, voluntarist. He is a market stuff, anarchist, so, but he rejects. Um, That's what he said. Yeah, he rejects. So, you, you reject rights, you said? Yes. I was just wondering how you guys, you know, claiming to, you know, uh, advocate for the quote unquote free market. I don't I like I don't like putting free in front of my title. Right. You notice it's just market anarchist. Uh, I, I just wonder how you guys get around the fact that uh, there's going to be a market, whether however you want it to be or not. There's going to be a market. It's like, oh, you believe in the market? Cool, you can see reality. Good for you. It's not really a belief system. So, what's your question? There's a market. Yeah. So, like, my my concern was kind of direct directed more at like Mark and Ian. What's the question? I'm I sorry. can answer if I want. Just I ask cl- your question. I didn't hear the question. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm more I'm more concerned with you know what 
they want to. I'm completely unconcerned with your unread opinions on anything, and we're wasting time talking to you. Like again, I I was I was just wondering how you guys get around the fact that rights are inherently statist in nature. What's that supposed to mean? The fact that uh, it's not uh, it's not coherent with market theory. Okay, I don't know what that all that means, but to me, rights are an agreement that humans came to with one another because it benefits us. It helps humanity to recognize rights in other human beings who can reciprocate those rights, the right to you know, be left I, alone, like, for instance. Kind of like the argument for uh, that status used as for social contracts, right? Along those lines, right? Kind of not, no, at all, not at all, because rights are something that people have seen they're self-evident in the world when you're a little kid you find out oh if i get hit it hurts i don't like that and then you get taught oh you shouldn't do that to other people because the the same feelings happen with them it's self-evident yeah Yeah, bonnie bonnie so i mean like you don't think i understand your viewpoint so like but what you're pointing you're pointing you obviously don't understand you you wait no no would you think rights are Uh, statist i mean clearly we have a fundamental disagreement about you i don't believe that we need uh, a government to quote unquote protect our rights they just are they aren't something that somebody comes up with i don't even agree with really how the way ian phrased it that they're things that we just decided because it's good for us that's kind of utilitarian my opinion is that they're self-evident they are innumerable it's not like oh i have the right to x y and z it's i have the right to do anything that isn't wrong it's right and wrong oh so so you're just declaring that uh you know a violation because you guys just believe in property rights right i already explained to you why they exist because they're self-evident i know that only I, I experienced the. I don't, I don't can you shut up? Can come, you shut up so I can talk? Because you're so me. stupid and unread, and this is obviously why. I mean, because you just like aren't listening to anything anyone else says, <laughs> and you have these dumb Mark, opinions with nothing to back them up. So, anyways, you understand from the time you're a little kid that you're the only one in your body that can experience the nerves, nerves, nervous system of your body. Like, if someone hits you, it hurts you. It doesn't hurt everyone else. Just from that idea alone we understand we own our own bodies and everything else follows from there if i own my own body i own the product of my labor i own everything that i have used the product of my labor to create to buy and that's where property rights come from we got david uh on the line or mr butt calling from new mexico you're on free talk live all the bonnie's favorites here no 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 i didn't say i was mr what'd you call me in bonnie's favorite i didn't i didn't i didn't tell you bonnie's what bonnie's favorite you're her favorite caller all right yeah yeah all right and uh and i didn't uh i didn't uh, tell you that i transitioned to mr butt i told you i transitioned to major pain in the butt and there's a big difference i remember what you said but but so don't don't hurt don't hurt butt butt is hurt and uh, so Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie uh, summoned me. So what uh, would you like to say to me, Bonnie? I didn't summon you. They brought you up as somebody that I yelled at before. The caller did. No, 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 no. You, if I rewind the tape. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Skeeter. We don't have tapes uh, anymore. Don't that's exactly me. how it happened. You, you, don't, you don't annoy me, Skeeter. And you, not, matter of fact, I like almost all of your callers. That shocks you, me you, not at all that you like and Skeeter. You, and, you, and you like almost none of your callers. You don't know um, but that. Anyway, you, you, 
You said that. Well, that's my opinion. You said to Mr. Skeeter. You can't have an so opinion that, on my thoughts. You you said I'm I'm re, re, recalling what you said to the best of my ability, Ms. Bonnie. And you said to Skeeter, you said something about he's like David from New Mexico. So how is David from New Mexico, Bonnie? Um, annoying. Makes jokes that literally go over like a cow fart. Uh, has the same topics every time he calls. Is always trying to sit, make some kind of gotcha statement. And even when we answer completely logically and we you haven't got us, you just act like you have. And then you... The show goes on for like 45 more minutes and it's boring. And so what I'm hearing from you is that you you think that people should all act in ways that you approve of. No, I think that if you want to do a thing like call into a radio show, you should have a, a, an interesting thing to say. You're basically like wasting everyone's time who wants to listen, who wants to have actual conversations. I mean, the, the, all this time that has passed since Skeeter called, where we could have been talking about interesting things. Somebody could have called in and brought up an interesting subject and not just like immediately insulted me. Well, I, as, I as say, if, like I, I just rights are an interesting subject, but, uh, but he wasn't a particularly good caller on that particular well, I subject. I would respond to what Bonnie said. Okay. Okay. So you labeled, and I don't remember all the different terms because you used a lot of them, but they were all derogatory terms about, uh, un, about like, for instance, that what I bring up is uh, not worthwhile, it's uninteresting, whatever terms you use. Most of the time, but yeah. It, it is, is, not, is not my opinion or Skeeter's opinion that what we have to say is worthwhile? Is, isn't our opinion worth something? Sure, but that doesn't mean that it's not boring. And, and you know that most of the time you don't have anything actually worthwhile to talk about. You're trying to do some kind of gotcha to Aria. And it's like, it's painful. I don't want to waste. I would rather be doing anything else than sitting in this chair, talking to, or with my headphones on, hearing David in New Mexico say like, Aria, don't you think you were born a, a man technically? Ha ha ha. Like, it's just not interesting. And if you think that's interesting, well, you have bad opinions. Time. And I think that opinions can also be very un- uninformed and dumb. Whether y- it's your opinion or not, that doesn't mean I can't have an opinion on your opinion. Okay, so uh, t- uh, two things are actually one thing, A and B. One, uh, A, I disagree with you. I think I think that you are missing the points that I'm trying to make. I think that they're going by you and you're not seeing them. I don't we, think so at all. Did, I answered that what, completely what, can I finish? clearly. You're, can I finish? Well, I just answered a question completely I, and now your next question is just pretending like I didn't answer it. So it's kind of boring, n- right? N- no, I wasn't. What an interesting thing for everyone in 200 like, radio like stations be listening said. to right now. You're living up to what Skeeter said about you. You're interu- and, and Skeeter's not the only one. Major Payne says it about you. I interrupted you talk- once this you whole time. You, you think you just get to monologue on the radio yeah. about some boring topic, like how much you don't like me? I don't care. Like, I really don't, I don't care. I, how, who says I don't like you? You when don't like I my opinions that? or whatever. Or I just, I just that, don't no, care. No, you, you, don't, you don't even get that right because I agree with the majority of what the points that you made. I just don't agree with the, how you make them. Well, I agree so, with what the... Then you're doing exactly what you accused me of, aren't you? You said, like, so everyone I, needs to act exactly how you want them? I'm not going to act exactly no. how you want me. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be, I'm like... I'm not asking you to. I, I would like you just to, to, to continue on as, the, the, as you are. It's rather entertaining. 
Hey Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Dan is on the line in Michigan here. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, I um, I just I just want to talk about uh, the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin. Sure. Someone had someone had suggested that, like, when the dollar crashes, that it could be more valuable to people trying to stay with private uh, private uh, transactions, something like that. I was thinking about that maybe. Possibly. You say it could be more valuable to people. What do you mean by that? Well, it wouldn't be nothing to do with the uh, the state no more. It would just be a currency because it's already made. You know, it's solid. Bitcoin or dollars? Are you talking about Bitcoin here? No, the dollar, like coins and twenties and thirties or fifties and stuff. Just cash, like, but not no no banking and government control of the money. Well, the, you do understand like, the dollar is controlled by the. The government and its federal reserve. Well, yeah, right? but what he's trying to say is, if the if it, that all crashed tomorrow, people would keep the physical dollars and coins and still use them to trade. But they wouldn't be worth anything. But they would. What? Uh, oh, wait. But when the dollar crashes, that means it is going down in value at a very, very rapid clip, no, usually I, due to hyperinflation. Like as a promissory note, you know, like um, this twenty. I give you, you take it there, and he'll give you, and he'll give you twenty worth of whatever. Yeah, but that the thing I, is, maybe what you don't, um, maybe you're just not familiar with the idea of inflation. So when the government prints more money but, out, it increases the supply of money in the economy, and that money no, is chasing there, around. Hold on a sec, Dan. The money is chasing around the same amount of goods, so the price of those goods goes up. When the dollar crashes, as you discussed at the beginning of your call. What that means is the dollar's value is crashing, and that probably means it's due to hyperinflation, meaning the Federal Reserve would then be printing out dollars at a record clip. They already printed a lot of dollars within uh, the last few years. I think it was 40% of all the dollars that exist were printed uh, after COVID. So you're already seeing some pretty significant inflation, but generally they don't consider hyperinflation to be hyperinflation until it hits 50% uh, per year or more. So, you know, even if the dollar were to or or even if the federal government were to go away, you know, in the event of a complete failure of uh, of its dollar, which would just be a wonderful thing. uh, I suspect those dollars would not be buying you very much at all because people would realize that the whole dollar was a scam in the first place. So why would someone want to trade something that has no actual value to it? I don't know. There's something either I'm not understanding or well, they stop printing. Okay, like, I don't know, that's just a side note because... Well, uh, here, maybe what you don't saying, understand, Dan, is uh, I'm just going to speculate here, and you tell me if I'm even close to right about this. Uh, the dollar is not backed by anything. Okay, so maybe... I know. Look, you know that? But, yeah. Yeah. But okay. it used to be, but... It did. It I did. Thinking, I'm thinking of it as, like, 
between people, you know, like, uh, like honest people or something. You're like. saying that it's not like could... a town of people that knew each other and liked each other couldn't say, or could could they not say, we're going to continue using the ones we have and that's going to be fine. It's going to be worth this much. I suppose they could try and see what I don't the think it'd be a good currency. See what the market said about it. But I mean, everyone would know that the dollar was a spectacular failure. I mean, how many people are taking the Zimbabwe hundred trillion dollar notes and trading them for right. any other purpose besides collectible value? That's a good point. I understand, but um, it would be like a new system. There's no more printing and and but see. For one, for the reason I come up with that, someone suggested that it would be more valuable, not because of uh, more printing and all that in the government, but I don't understand it yet. I'm just working on it. Yeah. But uh, on, the, on the other hand, I mean, you could try it and see what happens. Bonnie, you had wanted to talk about depression rates. We were talking about Mexico versus the United States, and I did pull up. Uh, a chart here, or not not a chart, I guess, but like one of those infographics where they've got the map of the world and and then you can kind of hover over the countries and see what they say the prevalence of depression is. So I don't have hmm. you were looking for the number of people, you know, per thousand or whatever that are on depressant or antidepressants. I don't have that information. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I mean, I didn't take like an hour to research, but just I, we with know a it's simple like one out Google of six. search. We know it's like yep. one out of six in the United States. I was looking for Mexico because that was my. I bet it's one out of sixty. Um, I mean, I would right. say it's a full factor. It would be just a guess that I would take in Mexico. That, exactly. Yeah, that's just my. What, I would guess the same thing just from like talking to people from Mexico. And my point about it was people have actual like deep love for their friends and family and other human beings. I, I haven't been to Mexico, but I've known tons of Mexicans. I'm from San Antonio, and. Um, what am I trying to say? Oh, yeah, I just think that that has a lot to do with the openness on not enforcing rules. Like, my ex, he used to want to start a... I've said this on the air before, but he used to want to start a business, like, selling cakes from our house. And I was like, we can't do that. We're going to... We would go to jail. And he was just like, Bonnie, you need to be more Mexican. <laughs> Uh, according to this chart, uh, the United States has a prevalence of 5.9% of the population with so-called depression, and that actually sets the United States at number two in the world. What's one? N number one is actually Ukraine. Oh, I was going to say Iceland or something because they're high on antidepressants. Yep. Now, this is uh, data from the Global Health Data Exchange and again, U.S. at number two. Well, I guess it's tied at number two with Australia and Estonia at 5.9%. By comparison, Mexico is uh, lower with 4.2%. So again, where those numbers come from, I don't know how many of those uh, people are on the uh, antidepressants. Because what doesn't make sense is if it's, it's only, you know, 6% of the population in the United States are supposedly suffering from depression, why are one-sixth of the population, which is a higher percentage, closer to 16%, on depressants, antidepressants? On antidepressants. Well, yeah. my little brother got put on antidepressants just for telling... He works a night shift in, in the Air Force, and he went to the nurse telling them, like, I can't get used to the night shift, like, every time... Because it's not, like, full-time. It's like he's half the time on night shift, half-time mm -hmm. he's not. And uh, he wasn't saying he's depressed at all. He mm -hmm. told the nurse, like, I need something to stay awake, and... He got a huh. prescription, he started taking it, then he Googled it afterwards, oh and he was God. like, this is an antidepressant. 
Can you imagine not looking up a medicine? I know, <laughs> and I was so confused about <laughs> that, that part too. You're gonna put in your body. Jeez. All right, let's continue well, here with. Uh, oh wait. I, I just want to say, if, if it wasn't clear what I meant by that, if you can't see why I brought those two things together, let's look at the Jay Noon case. In, in a place like Mexico, where everybody is like very openly friends, they ha- if they're e- eating out, they're going to invite their neighbors, things like that. You know, not like everyone is friends in Mexico, obviously, but th- there's just way more big family, uh, you know, community type situation there than America. If somebody sees a kid in a car seat outside... Do you think they're going to just call the cops? I think that's an that's a failure of a human being and a in a yeah, society, how many quote unquote. Does does Mexico have Karens like the United States does? You know, I'm sure they, they do. Yeah, but do what they have it as bad? Of, right. What prevalence of Karen? I can't imagine they do. I don't. I don't want, Wouldn't think that the response to hey, there's a kid in an air conditioned car, um, and and on a 75 degree day sitting in here, and he's been in here for an entire 13 minutes so far. I think he's going to die. <laughs> um, you know, like I don't think that the response to that call would be much of anything. Michael in Florida, listening to WOCA out of Ocala is asking, well, what would exactly things, you know, what might things look like in the absence of a centralized, one-size-fits-all monopoly on violence that we know today as the state? What do we do with people who are really violent, Uh, the people who aren't part of the state who are violent, your average criminal, somebody who commits a murder or a rape or, you know, fill-in-the-blank, whatever kind of uh, violent crime that they're committing, they're not sorry for what they've done. They intend to keep on hurting people. You've got a true psychopath you're dealing with. What do you do to keep that person away from the rest of society? Michael, did I kind of uh, did I recap that appropriately? Yeah, sure. And that's exactly what I was calling and asking about. Um, Mark mentioned something about judges, and then Bonnie, you said something about the, the matter of, of if it was a voluntary service of the, the police force. But would there be or or would there not be any relationship with the, quote, actual authorities that deal with that? Or are we going to, in our utopian setup, have some folks that are actually judges? Or I'm just trying to figure it out how, how it would work. And I know you're still looking at it and trying to figure it out yourselves, but I was just curious. Yeah, so um, I know you'd ask Mark and Bonnie, but I just wanted to weigh in here on this. Uh, the, oh, the question of courts is an important one because there's certain things that governments have done for as long as we've been alive and our grandparents have been alive that we always just figured, well, it has to be the government. We have to have a government for these things, and courts is certainly one of those things that have always been monopolized by the state. Um, and I think what the the free market advocates would say here is that any service is going to be done better if it is done in the in the free market it's going to be made cheaper uh we know the current justice system isn't that great right like we we can easily sure. find uh, a lot of problems with the status quo um you know the jury system kind of sucks uh they say it's the best system in the world but that ain't saying much that's like you know saying you have the best form of cancer yeah they're so proud uh, of it too you know in the in the rest of the world so, you know, what what would it look like to actually have market competition in the area of justice? And and again, that's one of those that's one of those questions that is difficult to answer because we don't know exactly how it would get set up. And another thing I'd like to point out uh, that sounds like you're kind of making this assumption, Michael, is that 
all of the landmass known as the United States wouldn't have to look exactly the same if we didn't want it to. I mean, it doesn't all have to be the same country with the same setups in each area. My, uh, me and my neighbors could come up with a system that's totally different than you and your neighbors. Well, some people believe that oh, there no, would be... I totally, totally agree with that that idea and, and, and um, thing, Bonnie. I would, no, I didn't have an assumption the whole thing would have to be across the United States. I was just trying to get an understanding or if there's been any deeper discussion that I, yeah, that let's, I haven't Yeah, let's, let's see if we can yet. throw some ideas out there and, and see if anything even sounds remotely feasible. So some people have, have suggested that there would be insurance providers who would provide protection services. So in the same way that we have insur- insurers to uh, protect you after the fact of a car accident, there may be insurers who provide actual you know, armed police protection, some sort of uh, protection service in the same way that you could have a fire company respond to a fire at your house. You could have the same thing with, uh, with policing. So what that might lead to are competing forms of protection agencies that would offer different levels of service, you know, everything from 24-7 armed guards down to just somebody to come by and train you on how to use a gun or, you know, sell you some locks for your front door. I mean, you know, so there may be all kinds of things in between there, services uh, such as neighborhood patrols, etc. And then the question is, well, what happens when one of these services picks somebody up who is an alleged criminal? You know, maybe they're prowling or they, they just broke into somebody's exactly. house or, or something like that. And and in that case, uh, I think one of the important things to point out is that they better make sure they've got the right guy. Because if they pick somebody up who is completely innocent, someone who has not actually committed the crime that they are then accused of committing, well, now you have an instance of kidnapping. Yeah, well, I think that the way that Mark was explaining this, it's also the way that... Alu explains it in his book, uh, Presumed Guilty. Um, the way that they used to do it slash the way that it really should be done, that wouldn't ever happen because if somebody was going to be incarcerated, it would be the people who were clearly out in the street breaking things. Somebody who needed to be stopped right then, that person would be incarcerated. But then if there was something like, oh, there was a theft, we have suspects, those people wouldn't ha- necessarily get incarcerated just because they uh, matched the description. They'd have to actually do something in front of witnesses to get put into an actual holding cell. It, today, we have like all kinds of people in there who haven't even seen a, a judge yet, who are just waiting for their initial thing, who just mm-hmm. got picked up, and they're completely innocent. I think that that's a huge breach of due process. So what you may end up having... Well, I, I, it, I agree that... that um in in regards to a victimless crime that, that I hear y'all speak about, I'm I'm totally in agreement with that with that yep. a- aspect. And I was I was just in in my initial question and in, in calling in was just the seeing the the overall picture and how it would it would operate. We've got Crichton on the line in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Crichton. Hi, um, I wanted to call in because I could actually help the previous caller, but I called in to. Uh, for a previous conversation about inflation, and they're both related, ironically. Um, before COVID, I would occasionally teach a, a at a co-op for homeschoolers, I would teach praxeology. And uh, two of the books that I would use were part of a series called the Uncle Eric series. First one is called Whatever Happened to Penny Candy, 
and was related to inflation and money and all of that stuff. And the mm-hmm. second book I would use is Whatever Happened to Justice, and it's related to how um, free societies would manage justice prior to government co-opting that function. And I, I think that even though these books are targeted at middle schoolers, that they are excellent primers on both those subjects. Okay, can you and name them one more time? Whatever Happened to Penny Candy and mm-hmm. Whatever Happened to Justice. Okay. They're, they're part of a series called the Uncle Eric series. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's interesting. And mm-hmm. another book that, that in that same series that is more in-depth is called The Great Money Mystery. Oh, okay. Um, I've heard of all these. And that one... And that one goes into into uh, defining what money is, and and by doing so, excluding the U.S. dollar from money. Hmm. Um, but it does so in a story form, and it it is very entertaining. Excellent recommendations here, Crichton. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to share tonight? Nope, that is exactly what I wanted to share. All Thank right. you. Thank you for the call tonight. That's a really cool, uh, good recommendation. I I like the book, um, The Richest Man in Babylon, for the same thing. It's a novel, but it explains. It's it's an allegory for real situations and topics. Mm-hmm. Isn't that about uh, like how to handle money? Yeah, how to save your money. Mm-hmm. I had to uh, read parts of that in a class. It's probably the most productive thing I had to learn in, in school. In high school, at least wow. that I can remember off yeah, the top of my head. They had wow, they had the richest man in Babylon as a required reading in your high school. That's great. My, I that, think that's wonderful. That was the one teacher that was like a really good teacher, and they were basically like unrestrained because we lived in the middle of nowhere, even though it was a public school. So some were terrible, and some were pretty good. Let's talk first to Conejo calling us from FEMA Region 13. You're on Free Talk Live. Well, right? hello there, Brother Ian, Brother Mark, and Sister Bonnie. <laughs> Hi, Conejo. What's on your mind tonight? Just kidding. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone's mentioned the phrase yet, but uh, I've heard this as polycentric law theory. Oh, are we and, talking about uh, competing courts, that idea? Yeah, competing courts, uh, competing justice, security. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one of the interesting examples that we've got in history is when, before San Francisco was part of the United States, and it's basically just a mining town that exploded into a city overnight, they came up with private police forces Hmm. and San Francisco is one of the few places that actually still has private police. They also have a bunch of communist and socialist police forces layered on, scabbed on top of that. They still have private police today? Never heard of that. Yeah, they're they're a very small minority, but there will be a office building. It'll have a private police force who's empowered as a police officer fully. Um, I don't know exactly how that works, but if you Google or excuse me, if you web search um, "private police San Francisco Reason" magazine, there's an excellent article. I'm not hmm. a big fan of Reason normally, but really great article there. Well, it sounds um, like they need to expand the idea beyond the office building because uh, San Francisco's in trouble big time right now. They uh, that city's in bad shape cr- criminally. Like you got businesses closing down all over the place. Too much stealing, right? Nordstrom has closed its two stores, or he's closing its two downtown stores. Whole Foods uh, closed its store in uh, in downtown San Francisco, and there's been others as well. So it's they they're desperately in need of trying something new. But I think as you pointed out, there's so many socialists there. It's hard to uh, to change that system. Yeah, and one one other thing is uh, it, it, with the what do you do with psychopaths and with murderers and people who uh, come into a community and 
cause havoc. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, give them badges. Private per- <laughs> pardon. Give them badges. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you come onto private property, there's this uh, there's this person who did an open source version of law, and he did maritime law, commercial law, uh, whatever the French system is called, English common law, and it's basically a big codex of law that you can pick from, like a la carte. And it's called ULEX, U-L-E-X. And the idea is you can subscribe to whatever laws you want and build your own profile. And if you're doing business with someone, if you, if you have a, a deal killer uh, where you won't do business with someone who doesn't agree to this certain set of rules that you agree to, mm-hmm. like you've got some certain sticking points, then you can't, do, you can't contract with each other. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. And then uh, the, another thing, the Ulex, is, it, it, Ulex is very interesting. So the guy named uh, Tom W. Bell, uh, professor out in California, came up with this. And basically, what he went did and uh, went through English common law and stripped out what he called the activist portions and left it very sort of bare bones. Um, English common law has widely, globally, uh, been accepted as the standard uh, that you know, places wish to use when they choose to use arbitration. Um, you know, so Ulix is intended to be the next best, the, the next new best thing from that. Yeah, it's very helpful in like international business dealings and negotiations, I guess. But the other thing is if you've got a murderer who's coming into your community, well, that person, if they haven't agreed to certain terms, well, they're trespassing. So they are subject to your laws. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, if everything's private property, there is no, what do you do with this person who doesn't agree with your law? That doesn't exist. Caller, you are on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Um, I'm Dan from Nebraska. Dan, what's on your mind tonight? So I was listening to your guys' conversation about the jails that was just going on. And the the point that I heard about... Um, you know, buying labor of jails and private jails. Mm-hmm. I, it makes me worried that if this kind of system were to be implemented, you could have something similar to the old school debt peonage that used to be done in the United States. And what is that? Right. I mean, this is so. Oh, it's still done it, in the United States. It's just done if you owe if you owe the government. Well, I don't know about that. If it's done if that's technically should still be called debt peonage because they're not necessarily like working off you know a bond or something they're generally serving a time that we think is reasonable of like separation from the rest of society for their safety i don't know if if we would agree you think not paying taxes makes you dangerous to society to a degree yes I mean, <laughs> you're, using, you're using the infrastructure and not supporting it. Well, in a lot of cases, you don't have an option of using infrastructure that is um, in competition, right? Like, there's not a lot of free market roads there in Nebraska. Am I correct? Uh, that's correct. There's barely yeah. any, basically. 
And, um, you know, the federal government really only sent, spends money to the interstates anyway. And frankly, if they had to, they could fund interstates in a variety of different fashions um, if that's what they wanted to do. But There's more um, the vast majority of though. tax goes to the war machine in the United States. And I, as a Quaker, personally find this abhorrent. So I try not to pay tax. It's actually the war machine things. and it's paying the um, debt. It's paying the, the debt on the the, uh, the dollar loans that the Federal Reserve makes, paying right, the interest Ward. payments. Yeah, which are now, I believe, the interest payments per year are actually higher than the defense budget. Doesn't that make uh, ta- well, all taxpayers debt peon? Uh, what was for debt peons or whatever he said? Peonage, I think he said was the word, but I'm not. Isn't it debt peonage for wars to pay taxes? No. So, base debt peonage is when. Basically, you would owe a huge sum for some like crime you did, and you would basically be bought out or you know leased out to you know some private company where you know they would pay you or pay your way out, and you kind of like owe them back. And uh, this is not the same thing. And well, I think it's similar. I think it's in the same vein because the logic of the logic of this jail system is that we need this to. Uh, keep this huge system going. It's more about, you know, the stability and the order of the system than it necessarily is about, you know, making sure somebody gets paid. I don't even know what you know, what you're point. saying at this point, Dan. When I you think keep I talking draw... about a system. Hold on, Bonnie. You keep talking about a system here. And what we were talking about, at least what I was talking about, was the idea of competing jails uh, that would compete on the basis of services for the people that they are incarcerating. That might even be to the point where the the person who's going to be incarcerated would actually get to choose the facility that they go to. Uh, they would get to choose whether or not they wanted to work, because obviously you, you can't force someone to work. That's going to be a very, very poor results uh, if they are being forced to work. So you want somebody to want to work. So they would be incentivized to uh, to actually do the work. And if that could work on paying off the victim, and if that could work towards paying the facility's costs of incarceration, then it seems like it's a win-win for everybody. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.